Revelation 16. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and he poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and it became blood. And I heard the angels of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and has given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Thanks for joining me this morning. I decided we would look at a couple of end times headlines this week. And uh, I'm also going to read Jeremiah chapter 2 today, um, which kind of deals with God kind of pleading with his people who have really, they've abandoned their fear of him. They've abandoned uh, the ways, they've kind of went after the ways of Baal. And he's kind of pleading with them and pleading with their children's children. And uh, it just, I just felt like it was kind of hidden home this morning as I was reading that. And so I'm going to read that to you here in a few. I'm going to cover two articles with you. The first one is... Uh, from the American Dream.com into the American Dream.com, which is 14 astonishing facts about the heat wave that is going on in the Northwest right now. This was written on June 28th. And then I'm going to read an article about these skulls that were found. I don't know if you've seen uh, this information or not, uh, but they, there's been some skulls found uh, that are not, that are clearly not normal human beings, which to anybody who's been listening to this podcast for very long, you know exactly what they are, uh, but the scientists of the, of the day still just can't get it through their heads that <laughs> the Bible's telling the truth about what happened. Um, so that was written on June 27th. So I'm going to read these two articles for you uh, to start this broadcast, and then we'll look at Jeremiah chapter 2 to finish off for this morning. Let's go ahead and look at this this crazy heat wave that's taking place out west right now and in the northwest. And if you live in these areas, then 
my prayers are with you because it's it's astonishing, just like the, the article says. And here's the title again, 14 Astonishing Facts About the Blistering Heat Wave That Is Absolutely Frying the Northwest Right Now. Here's what the article says. What we are witnessing right now is not even close to normal. I know that I have been making a lot of statements like that lately, but it is undeniable that some very strange things are happening. For example, over the past couple years I've been consistently warning that global weather patterns were starting to go completely nuts. And at first there were some people that didn't believe me, but now nobody can deny that global weather, weather patterns have become really, really weird. At this moment, and the, the Northwest is being slammed by a heat dome that is absolutely unprecedented. In the past, there have been times when weather has gotten really hot and a city or two may have set new high temperature records for a particular date. But this week, we are seeing city after city shatter their all-time records for hottest temperatures ever recorded on any date. We have never seen anything like this before and hopefully this doesn't become the new normal. The following are 14 astonishing facts about the blistering heat wave that is absolutely frying the Northwest. Number one, according to CB News, this heat wave is more rare than once in 1,000 year event. Number two, CBS News meteorologist Jeff Baradelli is reporting that there is only 1 in 10,000 chance that a heat dome of this magnitude could form over the northwest. Number three, the hottest temperatures ever recorded in Portland, Oregon, prior to this heat wave was 107. On Saturday, the city was at 108. Number four, on Sunday, the highest temperature in Portland reached 112. That broke the all-time record that was just set the day by f before by 4 degrees. Number 5. Conditions were so hot in Portland on Sunday that it was actually melting streetcar power cables. Number 6. It was being projected that the high temperatures in Portland would hit 113, 113 degrees on Monday. That would be the third day in a row that an all-time new record was set. Number seven, prior to this heat wave, the hottest it had ever been in Eugene, Oregon was 108 degrees, but on Sunday it was 111. Number eight, prior to this heat, we heat wave, the hottest that it had ever been in Salem, Oregon was 108. On Sunday, it was 113. Prior to this heat wave, the hottest it had ever been in Vancouver, Washington was 108. On Sunday, it was 112. Things were cooler in Seattle, but the Emerald City still hit a brand new high time all record of 104 degrees. On Monday, it was being projected that the high temperature in Seattle would reach 111 degrees, which would break the all-time record that was set on Sunday by 7 degrees. In Everson, Washington, the weather is so hot that it is causing sidewalks and roads to warp and buckle. Number 13. What most people living in the other parts of the country don't realize is that millions upon millions of people living in the Northwest don't have any air conditioning. In fact, even in Seattle, the percentage of people with air conditioning is well under 50%. Did you hear that? I mean, most of the, 
be, the reason that only about half of them have air conditioning is because this is not the type of weather that happens in that area. So there's never been a need like that. Number 14. Incredibly, the weather is even hotter north of the border. On Sunday, the city of Lytton in British Columbia actually reached the hottest temperature in the history of Canada, which was 113 degrees. This is completely and totally removed from any definition of normal that you would like to come up with. Over the past few years, we've been witnessing unprecedented low temperatures, unprecedented high temperatures, unprecedented storms, unprecedented droughts, and unprecedented natural disasters all over the world. Our leaders insist that we can make all this go away if we just change our approach to the environment, but they are dead wrong. The truth is, our planet is dramatically changing, and what we have experienced so far is just the beginning. I would like to also add that, in my opinion, the world is rejecting the sin of man. And we know, according to the scriptures, that these sorts of things start to happen in the last days, right? But it's not, uh, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's, I believe that everything is spiritual, right? And so... The sin of humanity has gotten so great that now the earth is literally rejecting human <laughs> the human race is what I think is going on. And so that's why we're seeing all of these crazy catastrophes as far as natural disasters and nature is concerned all over the world. And it's interesting that the, the, the one of the main cities is getting bombarded with this heat judgment just happens to be Portland, Oregon. I don't think that's an accident. Well, let's look at this next article. They refuse to believe the truth even when it is in front of their eyes. So check this out. Truth is often stranger than fiction, and some people will never accept the truth no matter how much evidence you show them. In this article, I'm going to discuss two brand new discoveries that are radically shaking up how scientists view human history. Many of the experts are having a really tough time explaining these new discoveries because they seem to directly contradict long-established narratives that have been taught as truth to young students for decades. Unfortunately, we live in a time when narratives have become more important than facts and scientific authorities have shown that they will go to great lengths to ensure their most important narratives are carefully preserved. Last week, news that a new species of ancient human had been identified in China made headlines all over the globe. And according to, the CBS, according to CBS News, the fossilized skull that has created such a fuss is gigantic. And then they talk about, the article talks about how there was a gigantic fossilized skull was hidden in a well in China for 90 years and it's just been discovered by scientists and it's making them rethink human evolution. And in, in order to support a gigantic fossilized skull, a body that is also gigantic in size would be required. In other words, what has been discovered in China is the skull of a giant. But nobody in the scientific community would ever dare to use that sort of terminology. After all, certain narratives must be maintained at all cost. But the skull is what it is. And we're being told that it's massive. And that it is scientifically larger, or significantly larger than any 
of the modern human skulls. It says one of the most remarkable aspects of the Harbin cranium is its massive size, which at 9 inches long and more than 6 inches wide is significantly larger than a modern human skull. That's out of the article. Unfortunately, most news outlets in the United States are carefully avoiding any discussion about what the result of the body of this creature must have looked like. Everyone, though, one paleontologist is openly admitting that the massive head should match the height or higher than the average, than average modern humans. Well, no duh. It only makes sense that the gigantic head would go along with equally gigantic body, but the scientific community will never, ever come out and tell us evidence of giants have been found. Let me just stop right there and just say, modern day science is a religion. And a lot of what's being taught as facts and all that is not actually facts, it's religious it takes it takes more faith to believe some of these stories that they conjure up to support that there is no god than it does to actually believe in god it's amazing to me how many people believe this nonsense a giant skull was found simply because there was a time when there was giants it's that simple it's that simple but they cannot wrap their minds around it or in many cases, maybe they can, but they don't want to. They don't want to believe. And so they have to make up these things. Or they know the truth, but they're so committed to their religion, and they're so committed to deceiving the masses that they willfully lie about these things. It's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, I'm going to stop there, and I'm just going to read to you to finish up from Jeremiah chapter 2. But we're going to stop about two verses in and reference a verse out of Revelation. So let's start with Jeremiah 2. Here's what it says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousal, or some translations will say the love of thy bride, when thou went after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. So God's saying, I remember when you used to be on fire for me. Like uh, the loving kindness of thy youth, you know, like the, like a young love or like the love for a bride, the love of thine espousal. And you went after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. And I feel like a majority of the United States used to be that way, right? Let me read from Revelation real quick, chapter 2. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil, and hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, 
I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. It's, it's the same thing that's being said at the beginning of Jeremiah here. Verse 5 says, and he says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. He's saying you've forgotten your first love. Go back and do the things you did in the beginning. Right? Same thing here in Jeremiah we just read. He says, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, and the love of thine espousal, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. And in Revelation he's saying, go back and do those things you did in the beginning. You remember what it was like, right? When you first met your wife or your husband, and you were still in that dating scene, and or at the beginning of marriage, and you just every thought was about that person. You woke up in the morning, and all you could think about was how to please that person and to win that person over, and and you just you you remember that, and you would do all these little things, right? Like write them little notes and leave little su- surprises for them, and plan special little things, and do all that because you were just you know that that young love that beginning of the relationship and then as years go by you start to kind of you know go through the motions and you're starting to wonder like why aren't we like we used to be and the answer in most cases is because you're not doing those little things anymore you're not doing the things you used to do that kind of fueled the fire of that relationship. We get this way with God. When we first come to faith, we're just on fire. We just want to read and learn as much about Him as we can, and we want to know as much as we can. And then sometimes life happens, and struggles happen, and years years go by, and suddenly you feel like God is so distant. And you're like, what happened? And you feel like you're not on the beaten path like you used to be. And you've made some, maybe you've made some compromises that you wouldn't have made. And and you're like, what do I do? The answer is, go back and do the things you did in the beginning. Read the word. Pray more often. Fast more, whatever it is. He's saying, Remember where you have fallen. Like, remember how you've kind of fallen off track here. Repent about that, and then go do the first works again. Let's get back to Jeremiah. Let's finish this. Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousal, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and have become vain? Never said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, 
that led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through or where no man dwelt. And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat there, the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. And the pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, yet I plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim, and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Have the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O you heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Is Israel's servant, is he home-born slave? Why is he spoiled? The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitation. Also the children of Noph and Tophthanes have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself, and that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? And now thou hast to do in the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Sahor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river? Thy own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore, and see that this is an evil thing and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that the, my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. For of old time I have broken thy yoke, and burst thy bands, and thou sayest, I will not transgress, when upon every high hill and under every green tree thou wanderest, playing the harlot. Yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? For thou hast washed thee with nitri and taken thee much soap yet thy iniquity is marked before me saith the Lord God how can thou say I am not polluted I have not gone after Balaam see thy way in the valley know what thou hast done thou art a swift dromedary traversing her ways a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffed up the wind at her pleasure and in her occasion who can turn her away. All they that seek her will not weary themselves, in her mouth they shall find her. Withhold thy foot from being unshod, and thy throat from thirst, but thou saidest, There is no hope. No, for I have loved strangers, after them will I go. As a thief is ashamed when he is found, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They, their kings, their princes, their priests, and their prophets, saying to a stock, 
Thou art my father, and to a stone thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me, and not their face. But in the time of their trouble they will say, Arise and save us. But where are thy gods that thou hast made thee? Let them arise if they can save thee in time of thy trouble. For according to the number of thy cities are thy gods, O Judah. Wherefore, will you plead with me? Ye all have transgressed against me, saith the Lord. In vain have I smitten your children. They received no correction. Your own sword hath devoured your prophets like a destroying lion. O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been in the wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? Wherefore say my people, We are lords, we will come no more unto thee. Can a maid forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Why trimmest thou thy way to seek love? Therefore thou hast also taught the wicked ones thy ways. Also in thy skirt is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but upon all these. Yet thou sayest, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead with thee, because thou sayest I have not sinned. Why gaddest thou about so much to change thy way? Thou also shalt be ashamed of Egypt, as thou was ashamed of Assyria. Yea, thou shalt go forth from him, and thy hands upon thy head, for the Lord hath rejected thy confidence, and shall not prosper in them. That is the end of Jeremiah chapter 2. And that is the end of our time for this morning. I hope that your hearts have been pierced. A conviction. We have forgotten the fear of the Lord as a nation as a people and I believe that God is pleading with us just like he was pleading with Israel saying look you've you've rejected me you've forgotten me more days than can be numbered you you even say to yourself I have not sinned like you're delusional you need to repent but what's going to happen is in the day of your trouble, then you'll say, save us. And then God will say, let the gods that you made with your own hands save you. Oh, that we would fall before the throne of grace and mercy and repent as a nation. I just pray that there would be this great revival that would take place and sweep across this land. But the revival has to start within our own hearts as the remnant and the people of God. Thank you for listening this morning. Thank you for your support. It's much needed, much appreciated. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.